it's trite, but I watch, you know, so many of their male peers who have half of the qualifications <laughs> just have no fear and jump right in. Sometimes women are constantly striving for the perfect and not realizing that if they have the ability, it doesn't have to be the perfect package to get there and that they, if they want to do it, jump in. From Politico, this is Women Rule, where we bring you real talk with women bosses. I'm Anna Palmer, senior Washington correspondent and co-author of the Politico Playbook. That's Rebecca Schuller, the executive director of Winning for Women, an advocacy group and super PAC aimed at getting more Republican women elected to Congress. The organization was formed in 2017, but has new relevance since the 2018 elections, when the number of Republican women in the House dropped from 22 to just 13. I think that politically, the odds have not been in favor of women, frankly, really ever <laughs> in, our, in our country's history. I do think the left has done a better job of putting some of the pieces into the mix that needed to be there. But I think that the Republicans have been slower to come to that. Um, you know, it's truly why an organization like ours is there. We talked about where she sees things going from here, her advice to anyone thinking about running for office, and also the challenges of trying to get Republican women elected at a time when the gender gap between the two major parties is wide and growing, in large part because of Donald Trump. The president, first and foremost, I think has been a motivator of women for a host of reasons. But I do think that women across the board are jumping into the arena right now because they want to hear their voices heard. And now, here's my conversation with Rebecca Schuller. I wanted to start with election night 2018. Uh, you're trying to elect more Republican women to Congress. And not only did Democrats win the majority, the number of GOP women in the House dropped from 22 to 13. What went through your head? Uh, well, Anna, that's a great question. Um, and frankly, it was even probably a little bit more dramatic than we think because we actually didn't see those numbers fully drop until, what, about a week or two later. Right. Um, so to to answer, um, you know, we knew it was going to be a tough cycle. Um, that said, um, you know, I think that going through my head that night was, you know, one of hope. Um, you know, I think originally we thought, you know, a few of the people that we had really, you know, hoped would see through success that evening, um, their numbers looked good. Um, right. And then it was a little harder, maybe a week or two down the road <laughs> when they weren't. Right. Out in California, young kids, yeah, some of the yeah, other races. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, heartbreakers, I think really good members, um, you know, people, the type of members that I think are, you know, sort of exemplify what we do at our organization of the, the type of women who are good fits for their district, you know, have good voting records, you name it. Um, you know, sadly, they were some of the victims of, of what happened in, in that election cycle. Um, but, you know, we regrouped and we we came through and said, you know, when now more than ever, like, I think it's a wake up call for, for us to really see the need for this organization. And we jumped in and started looking towards 2020. Does it feel more urgent now, given the impact of 2018 in terms of, you know, the number of Republican women uh, that were elected? Do you, do you think things are, are they headed in the right direction? Um, does it feel urgent? I mean, I wouldn't say that the urgency has necessarily changed. You know, we've, we launched this organization, um, officially back at the end of 2017, knowing that the urgency was there. Um, you know, and frankly, something that we had been looking at for quite a while. Um, you know, I, I we often say that this, this is, this disconnect has been around for a while. And, and frankly, I think that politically, there's been a disconnect with women for quite a while. Um, you know, so are we dedicated to a cause right now? Yes. Um, you know, do I feel the urgency is there more now? Um, not really. I mean, I, I think when I see the number of women in the House, sure, you know, that's disturbing. And I see a lot of good candidates out there that I think should be in. Um, and, and we will do our best to make sure they get back in. But, you know, this is a cause that we've been looking at for quite some time. Right. I mean, 
this isn't a new issue, right? right? Getting Republican women elected. I mean, part of it's systemic. Yep. Uh, women have long been underrepresented yep. in the party. Uh, why do you think the Republican Party has lagged so far behind Democrats? I just mentioned a moment ago that I think that politically the odds have not been in favor of women, frankly, really ever <laughs> in our in our country's history. I do think the left has done a better job of putting some of the pieces into the mix that needed to be there. Um, you know, obviously the 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 one that what you immediately think of is an Emily's List on the left has been around since the eighties. So, you know, they've had forty years now to grow, um, both numbers wise and money wise and and clout wise, you name it. Um, but I think that the Republicans have been slower to come to that. Um, you know, it's truly why an organization like ours is there. Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting because clearly the Democrats saw that the internal party structure was just not going to do enough yep. to highlight women yep. and push women forward. So they created Emily's List. Yep. Do you see your group as the kind of Republican alternative to that? Well, I'm always hesitant to say that we are a Republican alternative to that. Um, I think that we are, first and foremost, we don't have a litmus test. I mean, you know, we're not out there advocating for any single cause other than mm. seeing um, the opportunity for right of center women. Um, and that's frankly going to look a lot different in certain places than others. And we're not going to make decisions based on, you know, we're looking at quality of candidate as opposed to a single issue. Um, second of all, again, 40 years, like we, we're not going to jump in and be that overnight. Um, I do think that we have a lot of great people who are really smart and working on this. Um, and so hopefully, that we can achieve some of the same successes that they've achieved, but we're going to do it in a slightly different way. Do you think it's a pipeline issue or what do you think is kind of some of the top issues that you're, you're struggling with or dealing with? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a pipeline issue and that, you know, we're there to we're we're seeing really record numbers of women jump in. Um, I think that some of the efforts at the state and local level in the Republican Party have been great. Um, you know, the RSLC, Neri Martinez over there has done a, a bang up job, frankly, of, of you know, recruiting women in um, at those levels. And, you know, Elise Stefanik chaired um, recruitment for the NRCC last year. I think she had 120 women running. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's not a pipeline issue. Um, two things that I would identify, though, as major issues are primaries. Um, you know, we, we have trouble getting women through them. Um, that's where we, we launched a super PAC a few weeks ago, um, the Winning for Women Action Fund, that is really, frankly, very much so dedicated on making sure that we're getting women through those primaries. Um, and then secondarily, one of resources. Again, you know, we launched the uh, uh, super PAC to make sure that women do have those resources. I want to take those in two parts because sure. I, I think that's really kind of the crux of some of the issues yep. as I've as I see them yep. uh, as a, somebody who's been covering these issues for a long time. First, money, right? That's always the biggest hurdle for anybody who's running for yep. office. Women who I've spoken to, we talked to a lot on this podcast, whether it's people who are women who are running for office or they're entrepreneurs or they're business people. It just seems like there is a hurdle to raising money, to figuring that network. Um, what do you what? What advice would you have for that? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sure a lot of your job is asking people for money. A lot of my job is asking people for money. And I think when you're looking specifically at women candidates, that's something that has been typically difficult for women to do. Um, the fundraising, you know, let's be honest, money plays a major factor in politics. Um, that is not party specific. That is getting into the game these days and being successful. Um, and women candidates do tend to be at a inherent disadvantage on that because they just for whatever reason aren't as comfortable going in and asking for money. Um, that's something that we are very focused on making sure that candidates that we're working with understand how to do that. And I know that we're not alone on that front. Um, you know, it's it's so very important to go in and, you know, sit down, make a list, think of every single person, you know, and then be shameless and asking them for however much you can to help you win that race. And I think that most male candidates are just more comfortable doing it. Um, we'd like to change that. 
in addition to that, you know, our organization helps. Um, you know, we are doing fundraising along with them. Um, so we have a, a, a conduit pack um, through our C4 organization that, you know, we're going to go solicit our membership. We've got um, a, a growing number of people across the country, um, uh, just over 500,000 right now of people who are members of Winning for Women. Once you become a member of our organization, we're going to go ask you for money for our candidates. Um, I think we've seen great success um, on the left, for sure, of the power of the small dollar donation. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to be able to provide that for our women, too. I want to take a step back. You're a woman. You work in politics. Yep. You're a Republican. What drew you to the GOP and politics kind of in general? Probably like most women you talk to, my route here was was not <laughs> linear. <laughs> Wasn't part of your plan? No, here no. <laughs> Oddly, no. Um, I am a, I'm from Columbus, Ohio, uh, you know, Midwestern girl. Came back or came to D.C. right out of college um, and, you know, worked on the Hill, but then left, um, went to went to law school down here, but then moved up to Boston, came back to D.C., you know, got married, um, had two kids. I was a lawyer for a decade and then had, you know, within that decade, had two children and started to watch my career develop and see some of the obstacles that I faced as a woman and also watched my career develop in a way where I was spending more and more time away from home. The demands on my life got got more strenuous. And I sort of took a step back after my daughter was born, my second child and said, you know, what is it that I'm doing? Like, I'm I am professionally fulfilled. I'm challenged intellectually. But I just don't know that I have the, the passion that justifies the the demands on my time and what takes me away from my family. But yet I also know that that's really important for me to do. I'm the type of person who does need that fulfillment and that busyness in my life. So did what I think a lot of women do at, you know, many stages in their career of kind of took a little bit of a holistic evaluation and was like, oh, my God, what do I do now? (laughs) (laughs) You know, how do I how do I take advantage of the education and the experience and the life that I have in me? um, But yet figure out a way that that works for me and started looking around and said, you know, there's got to be a way to do this. Um, You know, I I want a big career. I want a big job, but I also want to be able to see my family and, and and if I'm not going to see them, you know, every second of every day, which is great and fine, but like, then I want to love what I'm doing right. elsewhere. And it sort of, again, circuitously got me to a place where I'm like, I love politics. I got bit by the bug early. I think there's a real need um, to, frankly, make the world a better place for women. Um, I am sort of astounded at the roadblocks that come at women that I think people don't understand at every stage in a mm-hmm. woman's career. And I think it's really important to recognize those and change it. I think we see a lot of change across the country on so many issues. And that's awesome and great. And I'm behind it. I think women need to be in the conversation, too. Talk about that, because I, I think it's interesting. You worked originally on when, when you got into politics for Congresswoman Deborah Price. I did. Yep. Do you think working for a woman kind of from the beginning, did that impact your perspective and kind of give you that lens? Or did that come later in life when you kind of realize, I, I think oftentimes you get a little bit into your career and there are those hurdles that you're like, yeah. hey, for me anyway, caught me off guard. I thought, oh, well, we're like, we're here. The women have arrived. Totally. <laughs> you know? Totally. Um, I, I love this question. Um, I, I actually think the first thing that put this in my head was I went to an all-girls school back in Columbus. Um, and I was raised both um, by a family that, you know, like I was going to do whatever I wanted to do. Like, that's just what you did. Right. And I went to an all-girls school where you, you know, you excelled. Like, that's just what you did. And there was, there were no, there was no glass ceiling. There were no roadblocks. And then I went to college, like, you know, nice in my own little world. Came here, had a boss, Deborah Price, who, my God, like, what a cool first boss. Like, she was a judge, and she was a member of Congress, and she had fun. And, and she was a badass. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, still is. 
But, you know, again, just didn't really see the the challenges that were there, but yet saw all this this power and, and fulfillment in front of me. And, you know, I, I do think that she was a an early role model um, to, you know, sort of show me that that was doable. Um, it was, frankly, as I got a little more senior um, that I started to see some of the issues that kicked in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm, you know, look, as you progress in your career, you become more aware, too. And right. it's not, you know, all like la-di-da and, oh, I got to pay my rent, so I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but No, I, I understand. Um, well, I want to bring it to to what you're doing now and kind of the times uh, that we live in this cycle. You guys are obviously doing a lot of different things. I think one of the things we haven't talked about is the president. Yep. 2018, I think a lot of Republicans in general struggle with the fact that they kind of always had to be answering for Donald Trump and what the la- latest tweet was or whatever. And particularly a lot of the women, um, I mentioned Young Kim in California. I think she became very good, I think, and adept at pivoting and answering that. But yep. It was just the constant of that. What's your advice or do you think he's having as much impact on women? You know, again, our job is to figure out and we don't have a litmus test. So we're going to come in and find women who are good fits for those districts. And, you know, our job as an organization that looks to sort of fill the gaps that are needed for candidates is really to do a a whole scale evaluation of what that specific candidate's going to need and then go in and figure out how to do it. The president, first and foremost, I think has been a motivator of women um, for a host of reasons. But I do think that women across the board are jumping into the arena right now because they want to hear their voices heard. In some of those districts, the president's going to be a real asset for them. And in the ones that he's not, and, and they do exist, those are places where, you know, again, in an effort like ours, a winning for women's going to come in and figure out how do we give that extra lift that perhaps a, a woman candidate needs so that we see her record um, and not necessarily, you know, someone else's record or statements or tweets. One thing I thought was interesting, I was talking with some folks about this earlier this week, that I think an unintended consequence maybe of the historic run that Democrats had last cycle has actually really positively impacted the number of women Republicans who are, are looking at running um, because so many of them didn't have the experience, right? It wasn't like, I'm going to wait my turn and I'm going to wait till this person retires or I'm going to wait, you know, I, I got to serve at city council and yep. whatever. Is that something that you've you've also seen? I do think so. Um, you know, I don't want to say it's because of Democrat women, um, but I do think that a groundswell of women in general jumping in um, does just sort of show that the, you know, the you can um, is out there. Um, again, you know, one of the things that we try to do at our organization is is make sure that women understand that they don't have to wait their turn, um, that the the safety net is out there. Um, the resources are there that the, if they want to jump in, if they want to make this crazy decision to put their entire lives um, in front of the public and be scrutinized, um, that they're going to have what they need to to, you know, to be helped to get through it. We're quickly running out of time, but I want to ask, you know, I'm sure you're talking to a lot of women who are thinking about running. Um, a lot of those women listen to this podcast. What's one piece of tangible advice you would give them as they kind of go through that process? Yeah. I do think that it is very important for women to, if they have the the desire to do it, to allow themselves to just jump in. Um, it's trite, but I watch, you know, so many of their male peers who have half of the qualifications just have no fear and jump right in. Um, and I do think that sometimes women are constantly striving for the perfect and not realizing that if they have the ability, it doesn't have to be the perfect package to get there. And that they, if they want to do it, jump in. Um, you know, again, like an organization like ours is going to be there to help. Um, you know, go to our website, winningforwomen.com. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll try to help you out in any way we can. Um, but that said, you know, I, I think that having a little bit of just the, you know, the pulling away the self-doubt and the self-fear can really make a world of difference for women. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. 
Women Rule is produced by Zach Stanton. Dave Shaw is the executive producer of Politico Audio. The show is made in partnership with our founding partners, Google and the Tory Burch Foundation. If you're a fan of the show, please subscribe to Women Rule on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us and leave a review. And please share our episodes on social media and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at apalmerdc. You can also join the Women Rule community by texting WOMEN to 66866.